This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. That's literally the literal oh. meanings of both uh, of them. Yeah, no, we, we get no it. Worry, if you have I, to explain I, a joke, it's not, <laughs> not a great joke. I said, I, I said a few weeks ago I'd be explaining them all. That does count still. That's Keep dining off the earlier ones. A joke. Yeah. Oh, well. well, I feel like I've, I was going to say I learned something, but I should know that already. So no, I haven't learned anything either. That was actually more revealing about you, Laz, than me. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's crack on. Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretta, a writer at F1.com. I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. I'm Nate Saunders, I do words at ESPN.com. I just want to flag up, did you Beretta. read yourself Lawrence Beretta? Yeah, yeah I, I heard that. <laughs> oh, did I? Beretta. Yeah, yeah, you said you're a Beretta. But I mean, you know, it's a one take, it's a one take wonder, so let's crack Yeah, on. Nate, Nate knows that rule, so but, you've now fallen foul of it. Beretta Lawrence. sounds cooler, doesn't it, in some ways? It, it does a little bit, yeah. But I mean, it's a fashion brand, isn't it? If you were a musician, Lazar, I think you'd be Lawrence Beretta. Or like a movie star, like Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. That could be like my movie name. And it'd be like at pub quizzes, like, what is Lawrence Beretta's real name? And everyone's like, oh, I've heard this before. It's something weird, like Beretto. And everyone's like, no, it's like Dave or something. To be fair, I've just researched it quickly, thinking it was also a fashion brand, which I I feel like it is somewhere. I feel like I've seen the the red, white, and blue, like British mod style. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. There we go. <laughs> Good. Two for two. Um, but it's also a gun, so maybe we shouldn't linger on that for too long. No. Oh, this has been a strong start to today's podcast, Japs. What's going on for the bang? This has been a public service <laughs> announcement. Courtesy oh. Of, oh, mate. I think Meda's joke tops yours, Nate, and he's not even supposed to make jokes. Fine. Well, Meda's can, <laughs> Meda's, Meda's can do the joke next week. Let's, 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 let's alternate it. I've had two, I've had two thinkers, so Med, Meda's can have one. No, you no, just, you are. You're our leading man. Can you just do the Wendy Houston joke every week, please? Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm annoyed that I used that because when I, when, I, when I wrote that one down a few weeks ago in my joke pad, which I do have, uh, I was like, that's a, that's a belter. So uh, I feel like I've set myself up to fail. Your joke pad, you're saying is your like, notepad? Yeah, it's just, in the back of, it's just the back page of my notepad. I would love it if you went to an interview sometimes and opened up the wrong page and you're like, so, Nico, um, Whitney Houston. No, wait, hang on. <laughs> I'd just, yeah, I'd have to, like, soldier on with it at that point, I think. I'd just be like, fine. Some, some of the drivers would probably get that. Some of, it, some of them wouldn't. Please, can you do an interview that is just you firing one-line jokes at drivers? I'd love to do that. You know me. That's pretty much why I got into this game. I'm still waiting for that opportunity to do that. We'll do a special episode with that. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's a good option for when you next do a hot lap, mate, is just fire jokes at them and see if you yeah, can that's... distract them. Yes. That's true. That's just a really good idea. Nice. Well, um, wow. I'll, 
I'll be deleting this podcast from the public <laughs> record so that when I when I pitch that idea to ESPN, I'm like, it's all my idea, 100% my idea. So, chaps, are you looking forward to Spa this weekend? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's always absolutely. fun, isn't it? I think whether you're there or not, just that racetrack is damn cool. Yeah, it's amazing. So, fun fact about Spa before we start. Uh, when uh, when I just left university, my, my friend and I, Mark, who also wanted to be a journalist, when we came out of university, we started a Tumblr blog called La Source F1. Uh, it was terrible. I mean, it was really, really bad. But um, that was my first foray into any kind of writing about F1. I think we did like six posts and we kept getting liked by like really aggressively kind of, I want to say thirsty Bruno Senna fans from Brazil who were just like all these girls from Brazil, from Brazil who were like, Bruno Senna's so hot on a post about like Lewis Hamilton. And we're like, okay, cool, great. So um, and that's, so it all started there at La Source. And look where you've got to, Nate. Yeah, exactly. That was climb, How climb, far you've climb, come. Climb the mountain. I still get those comments though on everything I write. <laughs> Senna is so hot. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got one a fan club it's one in five now no i don't but bruno does <laughs> about one in five it was about three and five now it's gone down to one in five but people do say that you are the route to bruno senna they just think <laughs> I... that it's the only way that they're going to get in touch with him is yeah. through nate yeah i've had that before people come and go are you nate saunders from bruno senna.com i'm like no you're, you're thinking of someone else you're thinking of the source f1 not not the bruno senna website sorry um yeah um, so, Med, is you coming to Spa this year? I am indeed. Uh, I have a lovely roundabout route flying into Germany on Wednesday night and driving across the border. Had to check all the restrictions and things, make sure it's fine, but it's all good. Nice. Because um, that's the only way to go down to Italy on the Monday afterwards. Like, it's, it's like there's hardly any flights and stuff. It's already tricky. Mm. So, um, yeah, and it avoids more quarantine countries, which is oh, always yes. fun. So, it's a whole new consideration of like trying to work out travel. It's like, am I allowed to go from this country <laughs> to that country? Everyone listening to this is just going to be like, why does, does Nate not go to races? And the answer is emphatically no at the moment, but <laughs> there's a good reason why your companies are much more uh, accepting of you guys traveling, which for this race, I'm really gutted about because Spa is such a cool place to go. And as you mentioned, the trip to Italy after is always amazing. Well, on that, I mean, Beretta's company is actually Formula One itself. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, probably it, why they're so accepting. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, and F1 then mine blog, is... that F1 blog site that Lawrence runs. <laughs> <laughs> and then mine is me. So I'm like, yeah, yeah if true. I have to. But that's more the FIA making, making me go to each one. Although yeah, this so... is definitely three I'd have aimed for anyway because of the Italy part. So just to unpack that, what I was complaining about was Formula One and Chris Medland Incorporated or whatever your company is, be allowing mm. Lawrence Barreto and Chris Medland to go to these races. <laughs> Chris Medland <laughs> Incorporated? That would be much better. Oh, what is that? That's great. I love it. Med... Yeah, what is it? It's something like that. It's Medland it? Motorsport Media. Oh, yeah, yeah. Limited. Limited. I, was a, I knew there was an incorporated or a limited or something there. I'm, I'm a writer, um, mate. I, I use alliteration. Yeah. I can't even... Reto's so excited by that that we're talking about writing again. <laughs> I love writing, Lawrence, Lawrence is still, Lawrence is still, go still Googling the meaning of apathetic and ignorant. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got a dictionary <laughs> Uh, I'm not coming off too well on these podcasts. On these podcasts? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sabotage. There he goes. I like how that took a while, didn't it? You need another coffee this morning, mate. Tell you. Yeah, I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame lack of caffeine. Exactly. Well, well, to be mate, fair, I'm... it reminds me of the sort of state you're in normally on a Friday morning or Saturday morning in Spa. Yeah, it was Saturday morning, wasn't it? After uh, after a Williams pub quiz, you tend to be a bit like this. 
Um, to be honest, I tend to be a bit worse than this, don't I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, Williams Pub Quiz is a good... Uh, it's one of my best events of the year, even though we're not doing one this year. It's probably the biggest casualty of COVID, I think, this year. People think of some of the races we've lost or, you know, the lost income or, you know, people losing their jobs, livelihoods, all that. No, it's none of that. It's the fact that there won't be a Williams pub quiz for us to enjoy this year. If anyone wants to donate to our uh, GoFundMe because <laughs> of this, yeah, I'll send you the details later. But yeah, it's a, that's a fun, fun night. So that is one night that all three of us have at least been to. So Nate, I know you're not traveling at the moment, but at least we, mm. we can include you in this conversation. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting over here trying to think of better jokes for next week while you guys were chatting about races. So today, um, the day of the recording is, uh, it was two years exactly today when we were all there um, for a Williams Hobbs quiz. Um, what are your memories from that night? Because looking at the photos, it looked like you had quite a good night. I did do the one two years ago. Uh, I remember that one more fondly even though it's a bit more of a blur because in Austria when they moved it a few years I think the year before I was the designated driver and if you're the designated driver coming back from a Williams gig it's horrible because you've got a car full of drunk people who are obviously finding things way more funny than you are the one two years ago my best memory of that you know everybody through the quiz gets you know progressively more merry as they go on and um, a friend of mine in the office at the time his dad was a huge Johnny Herbert fan Uh, quite rightly because Johnny's Johnny's an absolute ledge um, and I showed him this picture from that night, which was, I didn't remember being taken, but it's, it's me. I think you're in there as well, Barreto and Lawrence Edmondson. And then in the corner, uh, Johnny Herbert is just giving me the biggest bear hug, but he looks completely out of it. I mean, we all, all of our eyes are gone. You know, we're just kind of, someone's pointed a picture at us. Um, but it's that kind of night. And then in the morning you, you kind of see each other in the paddock and you're like, did we, yeah, I, I remember, I remember us having a big bear hug yesterday. How, how's your head? And everyone's just sort of sat there moping around aren't they, the next day. Um, so yeah, it's it's good fun. I remember as well, um, you know, Ben Hunt chanting at David Crofty as well. That was fun. Uh, David Crofty? No one's ever called him David Crofty. <laughs> well, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> merging two names together. That's what I like to do. Um, yeah, so um, all good fun. And, 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 and the great thing is, is that, you know, for anybody listening, like Claire is usually the host of the quiz and she's absolutely ruthless. So she'll designate shots to you if you've messed up a question, if you've, if, and also if you just speak out of turn as well. She's absolutely ruthless with them. Or if you so, dub um, someone in, if you dub someone in, you yeah. get penalty shots. Which didn't you do to Meadows once, or did Meadows? Someone, one of you two, did it to the other one. I and did then it. You ended up getting a bunch of shots when I and I was on your team at that time. Yeah, I did it to Barreto. Where so this is um, in case anyone's worried that we're outing other people for drinking too much and things like that. Um, Barreto's team at the time of this quiz a couple of years ago was I think Baku 4 mm-hmm. and for a lot of people they didn't understand the name and it all stems from uh, a night in Baku uh, where they would host a media party on the Thursday before the race uh, in the Hilton Hotel which is where some of the teams stay some the Formula 1 stay so Beretta was staying there um, and we actually have the media centre on like the second floor of it but they've got a rooftop bar that's very cool and yeah they host a welcome party so it got out of hand uh, for certain people. I'd gone to bed long before, nice and sober, because I had to do early morning commentary on uh, Formula 3 practice or something. And I woke up to messages, like hundreds of messages and pictures. But it only finished about an hour before I woke up and Barreto had got on it. And he'd taken lots of people with him, but he had had a good night. Uh, so that became known as Baku 1. And any night out after that or any basically drunken episode became Baku version two, version three. So this was, yeah, I think Baku four. And in the interval, I explained to Claire what it was. 
that's all I did. I went up, you know, when she'd frowned and like said it was a weird name at some point. So I'd gone up and been like, oh, that's because of this and said, you know, what um, Brett had done. And afterwards she restarted the quiz and was like, oh, you know, and in the intro, I, I was informed of, um, of the name here. And, um, you know, Chris, I don't think it's very nice of you dobbing your friend in like that. She gave me five shots, five Sambucas that I had to do in a row. Um, and I remember standing there and being like, oh God, this is going to be horrific. And, but then people around sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be hilarious. Someone trying to do five shots in one go and stay alive. And I think as I built up to the first one, everyone was like, oh, wait. So then I just was like, this is great. I'm a hero here. I'm a legend. I started milking it. I was like whipping the crowd up, knocking another one back. And I got through all five. And then I do remember sitting down and being like, that's probably the greatest moment of my Formula One career, having half of the paddock chanting and cheering for you to do shots. Uh, and I definitely thought it was all downhill from there because I thought my hangover would be horrific, but I actually survived that one. I seem to remember the next morning being in um, McLaren having some breakfast and uh, Damon Hill being sat on his own in a, on a different table, clearly composing himself before <laughs> having to do live TV. But what's very impressive is these guys, obviously, you know, sometimes they don't get enough sleep or they're not feeling great. And then the second the camera starts rolling, they're, they're brilliant and they're right on it. You'd never know. So uh, I wish I could do that. Just on a quick uh, shot-related tangent in F1, that reminds me of Sochi a few years back when we went out, I believe for Jason Swell's birthday. And Alexander Rossi was there, actually, and it was a few weeks before he won the Indy 500. He wasn't drinking, just so people are aware. But we went to this bar by this hotel, and they had this, they were like, oh, I bet you guys can't drink this Russian vodka. And we were like, yeah, we can. So we all did, like, we, they lined these shots up. I remember Medes was with me, and we, like, we, we did them. And we, because we'd, we'd had a few beers over dinner, so we we're like, oh, we're feeling pretty invincible. That hasn't, that hasn't hurt us at all. We we're like, another round. And the guy was like, where's well, probably, we we're like, no, no, another round, please, for everybody. And um, I remember doing a second one, and Meadows and, and, uh, and I think Will Buxton was there, and Alex, Alex Rossi was looking at us all like, you guys are going to die in a sec. And I think as we had the second one, the first one hit us all in the face like a truck, and we'd just finished the second one. And then we were like, oh dear, this night, <laughs> this, this night is going to go down. And then from that point on, it was basically, I just woke up the next morning. That was my, that was like my memory. You know, woke up, woke up, you know, I got myself home, got myself into bed. And then that was when Andy, everyone was looking for Andy Stobar, who used to work for Renault, the press officer. He turned up, you know, perfectly in time like for, for work but everyone's like did we lose Stobart last night like yeah probably the casualty of the first night in Sochi so yeah Buxton disappeared it was a Saturday night because Buxton disappeared just out of nowhere he was gone he just like marched yeah. off and, and was homing pigeon and we all had to get taxis back because Stobart was in our taxi and I think someone else was I feel like we all four crammed in um Stobart couldn't remember where he needed to go but we got him home in the end uh, but I remember feeling yeah horrific but yeah he turned up very tight to the start of the race I seem to remember and all his work got done and all of that but there was a point where they were like is he gonna make it for the race and he just had completely slept in because I mean that stuff knocked you out so that was yeah. a lesson learned it was well obviously it wasn't because you know that was before the, the these Belgium stories were telling but um it should have been a lesson learned We'll also pub quiz one though, uh, not Belgium, but Austria very quickly. You mentioned Ben Hunt uh, at one mm. point and singing at David Crofty. Uh, but there was a point where Ben also got, I mean, basically everyone at some point, it's, it's a good time to let off steam. Williams picked the day when people are going to be available, that they finish in time and that they can come and have some fun. But yeah, you normally have a designated driver. And I can't remember if I was designated driver for this one, but I do remember it clearly. So I think I was, uh, but Ben had got absolutely hammered. And I think, I think had won though, mm -hmm. um, or, <clears throat> yes. or we'd won or finished second. Anyway, I had a bottle. It was when Williams was sponsored by a martini. So I had a bottle of sparkly martini. Um, 
I guess you know, was it like Prosecco or whatever it was? Last season, yeah. yeah. So I had a, had a bottle of this, and I checked um, with Sophie Og, who was um, running it from the media perspective, and said, if I were to accidentally sort of empty this bottle tonight, would there be a replacement? And she was like, mm, perhaps. So Ben was stumbling around the paddock, like on the phone at one point, and just having a good time and singing. And everyone became aware of this plan, and we cleared a space in the paddock where everyone moved out the way and I just sprayed this bottle of like it was a bottle of champagne straight in Ben's face and all over him and covered him uh, and he just stood there as soon as it started to happen he found it he just kind of like stood and opened his arms wide and like just got absolutely soaked uh, but I think it stung his eyes and he felt he didn't feel good afterwards but um that was good fun yeah enjoyed that a memory of that as well is all of us trying to do Bob's champagne as as it was being done and just absolutely murdering that bit of it. <laughs> so when it actually happened on Sunday, we were like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember that now. Like, it all came back clearly, vividly. Yeah, but- they're big nights. And uh, Beretta, to be fair, we- we've let you off lightly so far, but what can you recall of, I believe, well, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, that, that one two years ago. Can you recall much? Um so I guess I don't need to even say this, but the theme of Williams pub quizzes are, are shots. Normally they have them lined up on the on their bench at the top of the hospitality units. And they were sponsored last year by Bogarts, I want to say. So they had like rum shots, whiskey shots, gin shots. Um, and I, I suppose it's the, the idea of the quiz is to get rid of all of the shots. That's probably why Claire is so generous with her shot, with her shot distribution over the night. But I remember two years ago, I wore, without trying to bring this back to my shoes again, I wore my yellow <laughs> shoes and um, Jacques, who now works at Red Bull, but was working at Williams at the time, had decided that he was going to ask Claire to give me penalty shots for wearing yellow shoes. So I think I started the night with like three, three or four to start with. And then that obviously gives you a little bit more confidence to perhaps uh, question decisions or maybe call someone out for cheating. Because there was a lot of dodgy gamesmanship going on in that place and obviously the more I did that the more shots Claire or Sophie or whoever would give me Um, but the beauty of it was the rest of my team were fully focused on the quiz which was helpful because we won and by the point of the night I just thought this was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me so they we get they give us a pretty decent trophy um it's got some like dents and uh, chips on it so because it's been thrown around shall we say <clears throat> over the years it has now anyway <laughs> and i so i remember I, there's a great photo of me kissing the trophy i've never won anything in my life apart from that camel trophy uh, camel polo trophy that we won at the red bull event last year but this was the this was the first time i've ever had a trophy so i remember there's some great shots of like me kissing the trophy and then they were like um so we'll take the trophy back i was like now i'm going to take this back with me tonight and then we went to the Sparty house. When, so the Sparty house is, uh, well, it's two houses, right? I've never stayed there, but <clears throat> am I right, guys? You've stayed there. It's two houses. Um, I don't know, 15, 20 of you guys, like, across um, journalists, photographers, TV folk, um, stay in these houses. And we went there for, I guess, what you'd call a Williams quiz after party. And I remember uh, you guys had got a lot of beer in and... Um, you poured the beer into the trophy so that we could drink out of it. But there's holes in the trophy. So I remember it just going all over me, but still trying to drink it out at the same time. So it, was, it wasn't quite as good as having like champagne showered over me. It was just like beer showered over me, which is not so fun. But now I've just remembered, I ran around the car park, didn't I, with the trophy in yeah, celebration. I think I, pick, I think I picked you up in the, in the car park as well, didn't I? And like, so you had the trophy up in the air. Yeah, like a loft. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember just how happy you were that you were able to drink out of a trophy, like it was a childhood <laughs> ambition of yours to drink out of a, a trophy that was related to an F1 event. I remember that. That was, that was pretty cool. I just, um, it's just, I haven't watched like international sport and occasionally, you know, you see those celebrations in like dressing rooms and they're filling like cups up with whatever champagne beer. I just think it, it was just thought it was a really cool thing to do. Uh, I'm just unfortunate that the one that we were using was, had holes in it. <clears throat> Nate definitely dropped you in the paddock as well at one point. I remember that specifically. Oh, yeah. Um, I do remember Nate also having um, some trouble in the car park at the end of the night. <laughs> just to clarify, uh, that, was, that was me being sick. It was coming out that end, not the other end. It just, you know, it, it could have been anything from what the way you said it. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, having some trouble could literally mean anything, depending on where you are in the world. I was, but, I was just sick, moderately in the car park. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was acceptable after, I mean, some of the horrific things that had been made to be drunk that night but uh i was going to come back to the sparty house actually which is always a lot of fun and we have yeah a huge group of people and like um Beretta mentioned sort of a mix of um yeah journalists photographers and it's from different like outlets and things as well so it's always quite cool that it's people you don't normally stay with once a year yeah there's probably about 30 of us i reckon across the two houses and sometimes do barbecues and stuff like that and I won't name any names, but there was one cameraman. We used to have a Sparty. It was called the Sparty House, obviously, because you're in Spa. Uh, and it's fun. So we used to have the Sparty on the Saturday night before the race. Uh, so people would come back. We'd have a barbecue and some drinks. And normally, for most people, Sunday was actually their latest start. They'd, you know, If they haven't got a lot of work to do before the race, that's when they can kind of get away with coming in slightly later or whatever. And one of these nights um, was, I think it's probably like the last proper Sparty we did. Because after that, it just seem to fizzle out a bit but one of the uh, cameramen for a specific um non-english uh, outlet uh was staying there and had invited some friends to come as well or people he knew uh and some girls had come along and he was you know getting on very well with some of these girls uh and then you kind of don't notice it there's a lot of people around there's a lot going on so you don't really notice what's go- what's happening or who's where and then the next day uh, I remember I just left the track and I got a message from their producer going like, have you seen so-and-so? And I was like, no, it's like, he hasn't shown up for work. And a bit like we were just saying about Andy Stopart and the timing, he made it onto the grid. I think, I think he got to the track just in time to get on the grid with the camera. So what half an hour before the race um, and should have been in the paddock for like four hours before that working. But again, had, had, that had a great night and overslept and uh, woke up after this party and, was like oh god uh so I'm, I'm quite impressed he managed to get in actually in time but yeah basically um spa is uh, a, a horrific race for our livers clearly but also for our uh, professional reputations so uh we'll be good this year we have yeah, to I was say, anybody <clears throat> anybody listening to this is just going to think we go there just for the you know just for the williams quiz and just for the sparty which is kind no, of there's true. more it's there's more to the it, though, isn't there? but it's also yeah. it is it is without a doubt the best venue or one of the best venues on the calendar, just, you know, in the middle of the forest, like everybody loves that circuit. So it's quite nice that it's also one of the most fun ones for us to go to. If it was kind of, if we went there and it was like, oh, there's actually nothing to do here, it'd kind of take the, the sting, kind of the magic out of it a little bit, I think. I think that's part uh, of the reason why they do it in Belgium is because um, it's quite remote, obviously, where the circuit is and there isn't a great deal to do. And we work quite long days. I'm not after sympathy, but we work quite long days. So it is quite nice that sometimes in the evening we can all get together um, in one place. Um, and hang out, I think, and just kind of let off some steam, which I think is quite nice. Horrific track run as well. I've only done it the once. I think you guys have done it more than me. But you don't realise how steep Eau Rouge is, or even the like the middle sector, how much that goes up and down until you've run it. Um, 
yeah, I remember I remember my ankle just giving up one year completely, and Meadows just coming flying past me as I was kind of hobbling down the camel straight, like, yeah, I'm I'm done. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty grim. Jeez, yeah, you want to be done that. on the camel straight because you've got so long to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, you're like, do I? But maybe I'll just wait here for a car to come pick me <laughs> up or something, you know? Because it's still so far away from, and and it's kind of yeah. At least it's all downhill pretty much. But well, you had back. you walked back from there, didn't you? You had to hobble back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and think, downhill's I, fine, and then well, probably not when you're in pain. But then you have to climb back uphill to um, yeah. the pit lane. I'm pretty sure you beat me back to the paddock because you and you were running, you were running it, and I it took me longer to get back than it did for you to finish the finish the circuit off. That sounds about right. You are right though. It's brutal. Like it's great to start because you go downhill. <laughs> But you can see a rouge and once you get to the bottom and it's just this wall in front of you it looks awesome you're always trying to take photos at this point but um yeah it, it does really hurt you move slow but if if there's anyone cycling at that time that's when you feel good because they're moving even slower than you are uh, and you go past them and then what people don't appreciate which obviously people should appreciate about our track run troubles is that the uh, kennel straight is all gradually uphill as well so you get a Rouge and Radion out the way and you think oh thank goodness and it does you know feel better because that's out of the way but then you notice it's just gradually uphill all the way up to Lecom I think and it's only when you turn right and you then start to head back down uh, and that but also that feels great too when you, you're at that point and you know for the next 2k everything's downhill or flat yeah. that's a lovely feeling and also when you're coming through Puan and you can see the, the paddock where you've got to get back to it's like it's up in a mountain and you're like oh man I've got half the track to do and I've got to get back up to there that's pretty that's pretty grim yeah i mean good knowledge of the corners there nate it's like you've you've never nailed it never heard you just reel it off so easily um yeah you are right though that's another po uh, point though normally it's like sunset coming at you as you come down through Puan. that's like a good photo as well so this is all i think about is for the gram while running if it's not on instagram that you've run the track it didn't happen did it didn't happen <clears throat> that's true yeah yeah how, how will people know that we run this track if if we don't a start a podcast and talk about it and b put it on instagram <laughs> i want to i want to i want to get a quick spa related story in that always makes me laugh i think it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened at spa it doesn't involve hey. any of us but it, it deserves to be told because i don't think i think it went under the radar when it happened if it, uh, unless anyone's got any more observations about drinking or, or track runs no, no, okay i'm intrigued so you remember when F1 had that obsession with bringing people into the paddock, like fans, that you know, it started with the Kimmy kid in Spain. Um, so there was this big push. I think it was this year. So maybe I'm thinking 2016. When was Stoffel full-time at McLaren? Was that 17? Yeah, I think it was uh, 16 and 17, wasn't it? 16 was it 17 and 18? 17 Whichever, and 18. Yeah, it, it, my, my memory's gone on this. And I should have I looked it up. But basically, that, that, that year we got to Spar, and this, and this had happened basically at every race since Spain that year that some kid had come into the paddock. And, and I'm not trying to be cynical about that. Like, it's nice, but it became a bit of a, like, okay, yeah, this kid's this person's fan. They get in the paddock. And, you know, once you've seen it a couple of times, you're like, it's lost the magic of it. But um, there was this, that it, um, Van Dorn's engine failed down the Camel Strait in, I think, in Friday practice or maybe, maybe before qualifying or something. And one of the cameras showed this kid who had this sign saying like, never give up stuff or I'm your biggest fan. Uh, and like on a, on a, like a white piece of paper. So it was like, Oh, that's, that's quite cute. Obviously Van Dorn being Belgian, you're like, it makes a lot of sense. So they brought this kid into the paddock and the video that went with it, <clears throat> uh, the video that went with it, that McLaren put out showed this kid, like, like Van Dorn was like, Hey, it's great to meet you. And this kid was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and just obviously was like really under like was in the F1 paddock but had like gone to McLaren and that and clearly wasn't a fan because he, he showed no interest like you know when the when the Kimmy kid went in Spain was like oh my god this is the best thing that's ever so happened so excited so this 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 like kid I don't know if he was Belgian I don't know where he was from 
just looked like he looked like he'd been slapped in the face, you know, instead of this amazing experience. And so I remember seeing the video and laughing because one of the jokes we used to have was like that Van Dorn didn't, you know, didn't always have any fans in Belgium. Like, you know, nice guy, but it, not many people seem to get that excited about him. Then these pictures came out, I think on Reddit and on Twitter of this same kid like the day before or, or earlier in the session. And I think I'm pretty sure it was like one of the Toro Rosso's had broken down in the same place. And the same kid was in the same spot. And it said, um, it said like, never give up Pierre. I'm your biggest fan. And what he had was a whiteboard. And he was just, he, every time a driver came past, he was rubbing it off. And he had a Kimmy one and he had a Lewis one. So he was like, never give up Lewis. I'm your biggest fan. And it was clearly like just trying to get on TV. And then the one that happens in front of him and gets on TV is for Van Dorn. And they clearly like went and found him. Like, oh yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you into the paddock. And he was like, oh, cool, great. Fantastic. Like, and, clearly for uh, his dad, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. His, I think his dad, yeah, like his parents, I think, were with him and looked like more entertained than he did. But he just looked like he was in detention instead of, you know, a kid in a Formula One paddock. And that, for some reason, has just always stuck with me as one of the funniest things about that, just because of the audacity of this kid, like wiping the thing off every time a driver came past. Like, All right, maybe I'll get in on, on the back of like Pierre or maybe I'll get in on the back of Stoffel type thing. That's like, because it was Fernando had done it first, hadn't they? Or maybe the Kimi one had been before, but there's one with Fernando where some little Spanish uh, kid was going crazy when he made it into Q3, I want to say. Um, yeah. And it was unexpected. And they were like, we've got to find that kid. And to be fair, that is some task for the team mm. and F1 <clears> to go, how do we find this person? Like roughly where were they sat? How do we get in touch with them? But they got that kid in and he was so sweet and excited. And you had all these great photos of Fernando being great with him. And obviously then later in the same season, Stoffel gets the same opportunity and it just falls flat. You did feel sorry for him. Like nothing went right for him that year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it, was, per it was perfect for that reason as well, because it just summed up that year for him completely in that like, like it was the complete opposite of what Fernando had. I've got something almost similarly tragic, um, very briefly, that uh, Spa's obviously won we road trip quite a lot. And some people would try and blag press cars for these road trips because you know they can and uh, a good friend of ours that we've mentioned a few times ben hunt uh managed to blag himself a bright purple i want to say rolls rolls, rolls royce i think yeah. it's a roller um yeah like a electric purple rolls royce and it had the umbrella holder in the door and everything like this it was the most like ostentatious i oh, was just it was an awful looking thing um and it's i'm sure it was a great lovely car but in that color as well and it just looked i mean it stood out like a sore thumb and he would drive that into the track each day uh, and i think he loved it with the attention but i remember then he was like pretending he didn't and he took lorenzo with him who's one of the photographers um and he got lorenzo to take like photos of him at sunset on the drive back towards uh calais i think to get the ferry or to get the channel tunnel and i remember him bricking it about you know damaging it against the side of however he was getting back to the uk uh, but that i just i can't let him get away with it it was for someone who's like yeah i don't you know worry about image and you know oh, this isn't my style and he's like but the sun's setting can you get a silhouette of me with uh, with this car like <laughs> it was just uh, that was the worst freebie car i think i've ever seen anyone get and i'm not saying i wouldn't have taken it but it just in that color as well it matches what bretto's wearing right now actually his his polo <laughs> shirt which nobody else can which see but it is purple see. sorry but it's purple I mean, I would take, yeah, you're right. I would take uh, a car just to try out feel. I don't know what I'm trying to say, guys. I don't know. I've run out of steam. You just want a freebie, don't you? That's what you want. <laughs> or you're, you're, you're suffering the post-spa pub quiz chat hangover. So at least you've got into the spirit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Seeing as it, we, we won't be, uh, we won't be um, experiencing that this time. 
Meadows has just been throwing shade at you this whole pod, Laza. I think I we know. have to take, take this up next week. It could be like, like a Medlin v. Barretto special. Oh, sorry, Medlin v. Barretto special episode. <laughs> I'll, be the, I'll, be, I'll be Judge Judy and Executioner. And, uh... <laughs> Judge Judy? That, for anyone who thinks I'm incapable of putting words together, that's a joke from Hot Fuzz. Very good film. Well, that's proof then that Nate can tell a funny joke, I guess. <laughs> oh, he's delighted. He's delighted. <laughs> Um, thanks chaps as ever it's been a blast uh, really appreciate your time thanks everyone for listening as well uh, please remember to subscribe if you can bear listening to us again um, thanks to Chris and to Nate you can read Chris's work on racer.com you can read Nate's work on ESPN.com and you can read my work on F1.com um, thanks again it's been a blast and we'll do this again sometime bye again bye Network.